You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar on YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We're still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash from the shadows. You can receive books, stickers, coffee mugs, and special content just for our Patreon subscribers. Check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said... Let's get this episode started. Hey everyone, this is your host Shane Grove. And before we get started with this interview with uh, Jim Myers of the Sasquatch Outpost, um, we want to thank, I think maybe this is our first official sponsor, Jason. First official sponsor? We'll call it, we'll call it. We, we, we get to do today's episode at Suburban Lanes here in Bucyrus, Ohio. 
uh, Sean and Tasha Ridgeway, the owners, were so gracious to kind of give us our own little corner of the bowling alley. So when you're listening to the listening to this uh, episode of the podcast, and and we mentioned it at the beginning, you hear some some bowling in the background, um, occasional scream out yeah, or something yeah, if somebody yeah. hit a strike or yeah, something. Yeah, it's all it's all part of the it's all part of the experience, and and so if you get that itch that you you know you're in North Central High and you want to go bowling. Make sure you come to Suburban Lanes. Um, they'll treat you right, and you'll have a good time. They'll treat you right. And and Sean and Tasha also are owners of uh, Dillinger's Entertainment Center and Restaurant in downtown Bucyrus and Breezy's Pizza, which for my money, Breezy's Pizza is the best pizza in North Central Ohio. In, Bucyrus, in Crawford County, you know, at least, and maybe North Central Ohio. So if you're passing through here, because um, I know we got a lot of Ohio listeners, and there's a lot of pizza places around there's here. There's a lot of pizza, so places. it's saying something to be ranked, and would, for us to say that they are the best. And if you saw my physique, you would know I'm an expert on eating pizza. Same here. So we we're pre- neck and neck on that, buddy. <laughs> so we appreciate uh, Sean and Tasha Ridgeway for letting us uh, set up shop here at uh, Suburban Lanes. Make sure you check them out online. And stop in and, and grab some grab some food at Dillinger's. C- come bowling here at uh, Suburban Lanes and uh, check out uh, check uh, check out this new episode we got coming up because I I think Jason and I can unequivocally say we were very shocked at some of these uh, Bigfoot stories you're going to hear and I think you're going to enjoy and you might need to eat it eat a pizza from Breezy's while you're listening it might comfort you a little bit what do you think Jason? oh i believe that there's something to that so with that being said ladies and gentlemen enjoy the episode hey everyone welcome to the from the shadows podcast i'm your host shane grove and with me as always is the super producer jason greetings everyone hey now as we get it we're coming from like a new a new studio here oh yeah uh, we're kind of making a new home here at Suburban lanes here in uh, North Central Ohio and Bucyrus. Absolutely. Um, thanks to uh, Sean and Tasha Ridgeway, they've they've graciously opened the doors here and, and allowed us to to kind of have a little little studio here and to do the podcast from. So yeah, if you hear um, an occasional strike being thrown or a curse as a spare is not picked up, it's all part of the ambiance now here at From the Shadows podcast. Or someone that uh, strikes out completely, and uh, <laughs> he's a baseball. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, you're right. It's not. I'm not a. I'm not a bowler, but I've seen some bowlers get pissed off. I'm usually the one sitting in the corner watching them do it, and uh, I'm drinking a beer or something. I don't know what that, that says about you, Jason, as a person. I, I'm just enjoy the agony of defeat. Well, they, they just get a little. Uh, you know, a little rambunctious at times. Well, that's all part of bowling, man. Oh, Come okay. On. All right, then. Yeah. We'll leave that at that. So are you going to tell the truth that you're back in the corner hustling people at pool? Uh, that, that sometime happens, okay. yes. Okay. But only make enough to get a full tank of gas and a pizza. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Don't want to take advantage of people. No, don't want to take advantage of nobody. No. Ah. So, so joining us on this episode of the From the Shadows podcast is a super interesting uh, guy he is the owner of a store that i cannot wait to to go out and visit the sasquatch outpost in bailey colorado 
as well as the host of a, I mean, with a name like this, how can you go wrong? You don't know Squatch podcast. Love that name. <laughs> Love that name. So joining us is Jim Myers. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be with you guys. And we're so happy to have you on. Um, and I got to say, me and Jason are a little jealous that you're sitting in front of a, a roaring fire out there in, in snowy college. We don't like the snow, but we like the idea of being in front of a fire. Well, let me put it this way. It's, it's a wood stove, so it's not oh, uh, geez, a you, roaring fireplace. Uh, <laughs> you just ruined the whole thing for everybody. <laughs> Fireplaces are a waste of energy and heat, and nobody has them in Colorado. So, oh, geez. Um, all right. Wood stoves are the way to go. All right. Wood All right. Okay. Well, that's for the uh, the energy efficiency part of our program. There you go. There you go. Yep. So, Jim, how does somebody get into owning a store called the Sasquatch Outpost and having a podcast called You Don't Know Squatch? I got. We got to hear this. How the, the genesis? Of All right. Well, I'll give you the I'll give you the lowdown here. Um, I've always been a Sasquatch believer ever since I was about uh, 10 years old when the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek came out, and it ruined me forever. <laughs> that, and, seems, uh, that seems to be a common theme for a lot of, like, like we're, I think, all about the same age, and that seems yep. to be, like, the, the, the point where it kind of changed everybody's life when it came Oh, all of us believers, yeah. Yep. Well, that, that movie was kind of the first pseudo-documentary ever made, I believe, about Sasquatch. And um, it was only five years after the now-famous Patterson-Gimlin footage was taken in Northern California. So Bigfoot was still a relatively unknown phenomenon, but uh, the legend of Boggy Creek kind of ended that and so fast forward many many years a lot of a lot of traveling a lot of working in different countries and things where i wasn't able to pursue my interest in sasquatch until we moved to colorado in 2009 and in 2012 we started um renovating this Store that's now called the Sasquatch Outpost. The, the building that we took over was built in 1878. It's the oldest building in Bailey, and that's still standing anyway. And it was in terrible shape, should have been condemned. And we had the original idea of just starting a mercantile grocery store, and we did for a little while, but it took us nine months to rebuild this store. And during those nine months, uh, two things significant happened. The first was I met my first Sasquatch eyewitness, and it was a gal who lived, lived at the time just on the outskirts of Bailey. She managed a, a local um, lodge called Bailey Lodge, and she and her best friend were behind the lodge maybe half a mile just like May, I think it was early May, they were out taking a walk because their best friend was going to leave the next day. And they saw a Sasquatch. It came running down the hill, 
near them. Uh, they were walking up the hill. It came running down the hill a uh, little, little ways away. And they both saw it. They both agreed on what it was that they saw. And so I found out about this sometime later. I found out about it maybe in September or something. And I invited her out for coffee and heard her story. And I thought, this gal is totally sane, totally normal, was not looking for Bigfoot, didn't have any interest in Bigfoot. And her story fascinated me. And I totally believed her. And then about uh, October of that year, the show Finding Bigfoot from Animal Planet came to Bailey to do an episode. And so I, of course, went to that filming. There was like 110 people at this at this meeting. I didn't know where they came from. I never saw any advertising for this uh, town hall meeting for this TV show. But I went because I wanted to be on TV and I wanted to meet the actors. And about seven or eight people stood up at this town hall meeting and told stories about seeing Sasquatch in the general area around Bailey, including my friend Kate, my new friend Kate. Oh, she, so uh, she was there and told, okay. She was there. They came in large part due to her testimony, actually. Oh, I found okay. out later. So met Bobo for the first time. I've gotten to know Bobo since then, but, um, and Cliff Barrickman. But um, I told my wife after that meeting, now, I took a little funny aside. I We were already kind of building the idea of doing something around Sasquatch, even in our grocery store. So I had made this wooden cutout, like seven feet tall, of Sasquatch holding a sign, just a two-dimensional cutout, holding a sign that said, I don't believe the evidence supports the existence of humans. And <laughs> so... They, they ended up taking that sign. I told the producer of the show about the sign. I brought it with me in my pickup. They ended up putting it by the front door of this building where they had the meeting, and they filmed it as all, all the actors walked in. They filmed this Bigfoot next to the door. I don't know if they still have it on that episode, but they did back then when they were showing it. So that was funny. So we, we decided as we got ready to open this building and store that we would call it Bailey Country Store and Sasquatch Outpost. And we were just curious to see what kind of interest we would get. It was a risk, I, I grant it, but um, we had a room in the back of the store that was kind of a converted storeroom that we had a few um, Bigfoot souvenirs, and we put a big map on the wall of Colorado. And people just started coming out of the woodwork. I don't even remember how it started, but people just started coming to us and telling us their stories of their encounters with Sasquatch. And we would put pins on the map. We've got the same map. It's an updated version of that map in the store now. And we have something like 300 pins on the map. So um, that's all from the last, well, probably since 2000. 13 or 14. Um, eventually, we realized the groceries were not going to cut it. We were going to starve to death. So we canned the groceries and went whole hog for Bigfoot. Now, that's so, ironic that the groceries were going to cause you to starve to death. 
But anyway, I don't know. <laughs> well, we ended up we ended up being the only ones eating the groceries. Nobody was buying them, so that's not that's not why you have a grocery store just so you can eat the groceries. Just if if you ever decide to open a grocery store, that's a good sign that things are not going well. You've completely deterred me from opening grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> but we never looked back. Um, we since then built what is now called our Sasquatch Encounter Experience or Museum, and we've had over something like forty-five thousand people go through that and. That was built in 2016. We expanded it in 18. Um, the store, we've expanded the store just about every year. Now I have no more room to expand it, really. But we have people come from all over the country and even all over the world to visit the Sasquatch Outpost. So it shows the incredible interest and infatuation people in this country, especially in the U.S., have for Bigfoot. Absolutely. I mean, we can't argue with you because we have people, I mean, people listen to us all over the world and, and you're just thinking, why does somebody in Australia or Iceland or Slovenia or wherever listening to us talk about Bigfoot? Do they really, I don't think there's any Bigfoot in Iceland, but of course, you (laughs) never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah. But of course, but I mean, yes, people are definitely interested in stuff they don't really understand or can't just you know go see at the zoo or go see in a book or whatever i mean it's the mystery right i think people love a good mystery yeah if it's unexplainable i think people are interested in it yeah Yeah. i mean my boss at the post office is always interested in why it's so unexplainable that i get done it don't get done in time I'm sure so he is. He's always interested. <laughs> in a, I can't give him an answer. I mean, go on. And the unexplainable. The right? unexplainable. Yeah. So you made the good, the best decision you probably ever made to can the groceries. It was. It was. And then, so now, do you just, is just your interest in Bigfoot because you live in an area where there's been a lot of sightings? Or have you yourself um, had some experiences Oh, I've had many now by eight years later. Um, I've had a sighting and I've had many encounters where they were around me or in my camp um, throwing things at us. Um, well, for, well, for the people of Iceland and Slovenia that are tuning in, let's let's go through, let's, let's let's start from the beginning and hear about some of your experiences. Sure. So the the visual, the only visual sighting I have to date is happened, I think, in 2014 or 15. I don't remember the exact year. And there's a very popular tourist destination about 13 miles from Bailey. And it's called Wellington Lake. It's a man-made lake. It's a gorgeous setting, you know, mountains. Um, there's a huge mountain that the end of the lake called the castle is just a big rock a giant mound of of rocks and uh and we've had tons of of reports of visual sightings and vocalizations and footprints from wellington lake so much so that the the previous manager of the lake uh forbade any of his employees from talking about bigfoot he thought it'd be bad for business and there were so many people talking about their their sightings, including people that worked for him, 
and he thought it would be bad for business, so he threatened him with dismissal. Um, he was stupid because it would have been just the opposite. It would have drawn even more people and he wanted to, to that open, location. And he wanted to open a grocery store, let me guess. He wanted, and he wanted to, to open a grocery store, <laughs> yes. So so he, uh, so he, there was a lot, of, a lot of things happening at this location. So we went camping there with as a family because it was a hot spot. And uh, had a funny incident with a bear the night, the night before my story happened. My wife thought she heard something rattling around in the campsite about 11, and she yells out, "Who is that?" And I looked out of the tent, and it's a black bear. And I said, "Honey, I don't think he's going to answer you, even if it was a Sasquatch. I don't think it would answer you." But uh, the next morning, I got up real early in the morning to go do some bowling or bowling. Bowling. Got bowling on my head now <laughs> to go do some fishing. I fly fish and I was, everyone else in the camp was asleep as far as I could tell. So it was maybe 6 a.m. So I was out there fishing and I'm always looking around when I'm out fishing or hiking or anything else outdoors. And I looked up and there were some rock, big rock outcroppings, maybe 200 yards above me up on the hillside and there was something huge standing there looking down uniform in color did not look like a person it looked too big to be a person and i was staring at it and of course as luck would have it a fish grabbed my fly and i turned to look towards the fish and i looked back up and it was gone and if it was a sasquatch it was gone i'm 90 percent sure it was a sasquatch based on what it looked like and based on where it was standing and that particular area is extremely hard to get to because it's so steep i've climbed up there once but it's it was quite a climb and this was 6 a.m so i thought i can't imagine a a camper being standing out there on the rocks this early plus it just it didn't look like it was wearing clothing it looked too uniform in color um so since that time, um, you know, I've I've been squatching more times than I can count, and with people that we eventually created a research team with, called the Sasquatch Outpost Research Team, and um, our group has had many sightings within the group, some really bizarre things, but. Probably the the first incident I had happen that was a close encounter was taking a couple out uh, in the woods at night in an area where there had been three sightings in the previous two weeks. It was a camp; it's a camping area as well up here, but there have been three sightings in and around this camp camping area over two weeks of a large uh, male Sasquatch. And so I, I went out to investigate one night by myself, felt extremely uncomfortable being out there, didn't have my gun on me, didn't even have a very strong flashlight. Um, but this couple, it was new, it was a 4th of July night. They came over to our house for 4th of July weekend or, and they wanted to go out and do this. So we drove the 40 minutes or so to this location. We got there about nine at night and headed in with our headlamps. And um, this was probably in June or July. Um, 
of 15, I believe. We got back in into the woods. I asked them to sit down, and we turned off our lights, and we just listened. And I talked to them. I usually talk to Sasquatch when I'm out there. And there was nothing going on, no no noises, no knocks, nothing. So we went a little further in, sat down again. And I got the feeling that I could hear deep breathing. And it was freaking me out. But I, I kept thinking, no, I'm I'm imagining this. I'm not this. I can't be hearing this. And I couldn't tell which direction it was coming from. And so uh, the gal who was with us um, told me later that she heard something as well, but she thought it was a plane going over. Um, it was that. But uh, was that loud? They thought it was a plane. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Okay. She. She. I didn't hear any planes, but I heard what I thought was breathing. So. Oh, wow. Anyway, I, I, I told them, I think it's time we head back to the truck. So we got up. Now, there was no one else out there. It was about 1030 now. No one else out. No one knew we were going there. So no one could have been hiding. It was totally a random event. We got part of the way back, and it was completely silent. There was no no bugs, no night birds, just complete silence. And all you could hear was our steps on this trail. And all of a sudden, so it was me, the gal, and then the guy. And I told him, look back occasionally and see if you see eye shine, because sometimes I've heard that they'll follow people out. And so we're walking out, and I hear this loud, really loud crack behind us. And I thought, the guy had reached up and grabbed a branch and broken it off. It was that loud. I turned around and I yelled, was that you? And he was running the other way, the way we had come from down the trail. And I, and he wouldn't, and so I ran after him to see what was going on. And while I'm running after him, I hear another crack and I hear a big thud. Couldn't see anything. Finally caught up with him. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, he said, uh, Something threw something at us, and they hit a tree behind us. I said, really? I said, why are you running back here then? And he said, that was my first instinct. I said, it wasn't my instinct to go running towards the sound. But he uh, he freaked. He was freaking out. I mean, immediately afterwards, he there's a phenomenon that we talk about in the Bigfoot research world called zapping or sizzling. We think it's something that Sasquatch can do to you through infrasound or something. And often it's only one person in the group, but I think this guy was zapped because he, he would not stop talking. And, and we got back to our camp a little later and he just circled the fire and he wouldn't stop talking. So I finally just went to bed while he kept talking. And uh, so something happened to him that night, but he said, it hit about 20 feet behind him. He doesn't know if it was a rock or a branch, but it was very loud. It was thrown very hard. Well, there's only two things that can throw an object. That's people and Sasquatch. You have to have an opposable thumb. Right. So they, I've since had them do that more than once, throwing things at us. Never hit us yet. We've never been hit. Uh, I think their aim is impeccable, but they they throw it for their amusement. They throw it, I think, to let us know they're there. In that occasion, I think they threw it 
to make sure we left. Uh, it was a it was a time to go signal, I believe now. But um, if they could have hit one of us, it would have been catastrophic from the sound of whatever it was that hit the tree. It would have taken one of us out, probably. Um, so, but many times, so just imagine, go ahead. That, just imagine that, like the mental picture you just gave me of just Bigfoot's out in the woods, like. Uh, what are we going? We're just going to throw rocks at trees, like just like kid, just like humans would. If yeah. you were like, in, yeah. you know, walking through the woods, picking up a rock, picking up a dirt clod, you know, trying to yeah. hit a trying to hit a squirrel, trying to you know whatever. Although at night, I think we would miss more than we would hit anything. Oh yeah, and uh, I think because we had already I think passed the Yankees by, would probably give Bigfoot at least we... fifty million a year <laughs> to be the number one starter <laughs> any year. I mean, we had, <laughs> we had already. So it was behind us by 20 yards. So it was dark behind us when it when it threw whatever it threw at the tree. Um, so it threw it in the dark and still hit it. And uh, so so that that was probably my first close encounter. That was predated my sighting. Since then, we've had I've been out in the woods hundreds of times. Um. We've had numerous gifting sites uh, outside of Bailey and, and lots of interaction with Sasquatch. My my partner, my research partner, had a sighting at our gifting area when he was on his own one day. But just had him pushed on the tent from the outside um, in the wee hours of the morning like they were seeing what was inside the tent. Um Lots and lots of tree knocks. I've heard them talk. I've heard them bark, scream. Um, virtually every vocalization they make, I've heard at one time or another. So found lots of footprints. So it's been it's been a, a fun few years since since uh, 2013 when we opened the store, and. Um, yeah, the again the level of interest. We have someone virtually every week that comes in to tell us a story. So that was uh, going to be my question for you. I was trying to wait because I was so fascinated by what you were saying. But uh, yeah, so I was. My question was going to be: um, so with all the people that pass through uh, this this exhibit that you have set up, this this whole tour and guiding system and all i imagine you've probably heard some stories from some of the people that come through that have had uh sightings of their own and things like yeah. that and they're just fascinated by the whole subject i mean that's they are yeah i can imagine that right there probably the so fun probably 200 stories i would think by now wow something in that in that area um well let me let me but, ask you let me ask you this and you don't have to, you know, name any names or anything if even if you remember them. But what's what's a couple of the best stories that somebody told you that you're just your jaw dropped when that you couldn't believe? Um, there's there's several. One was um, happened to a friend of mine named Jason. I've been out squatching and camping with Jason, and we had a lot happen that. The incident where we had them pushing on the tent, I was with Jason that time, and we found footprints and marks on my truck and a lot of the things that same weekend, and we heard them talking the same weekend. But 
so he was when he was just getting started doing all this kind of Bigfoot research. Mm-hmm. He was out camping near. Uh, let's see, I think in the San Juan Mountains in Colorado, and they had been out for several days. Nothing really had happened. And typically, when we when we go out, uh, what we're waiting for, everything is is oriented towards nighttime in the campsite because if you see or hear something during the day, you're lucky. Our assumption, which has been proven many times over now, is that once we come back to camp, we don't hesitate to make a lot of noise when we're in camp and play music and talk. Once we're all in our tents and things get quiet is when they will come into camp. And so just checking to see what we're doing, what food we've been eating, etc. So, so we were out camping uh, or Jason was out camping in this occasion in the San Juans. It was raining. This was their last night at that location. It was raining. I can't remember how many of them were camped there. A few, not just him. And he was in a little backpacker's tent. So, you know, and he's a big guy. So it, the tent wasn't much bigger than him. And he uh, had draped his um, rain poncho over the top of the tent because his rain fly had been ripped, so he was just trying to keep some of the rain off the tent. So he woke up two in the morning or something and heard commotion in the campsite, heard things moving around. Um, because it was raining, When while it was raining, these things were moving around. When the rain would stop, everything would stop in the camp, like they were waiting for more noise interference. So he heard them, whatever it was, open they had a Dutch oven uh, cast iron pot on the fire. It opened the pot. He could hear it, open it. He could hear it, put the lid back down on the pot, which a bear is never going to do. A bear is just going to knock the pot over and eat whatever's inside. This was very particular, I mean, about opening and closing the pot. Then he said it sounded, it seemed like this thing became aware that he was awake. He doesn't know how because he wasn't making any noise. And all of a sudden, it it marched over to his tent, and he said it was he was about thirty feet, maybe from the fire, and it, it felt like three steps that was there, just boom, 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 and it was it knocked over some wood that he'd stacked up outside the tent, and it was just standing there, and he knew it was right next to the tent, and so he's lying there wondering what's going to happen. So then all of a sudden, so on the one of the uh, screens on the top of his tent was ripped, so it left an open space, which was part of the reason why he had his poncho over the tent. All of a sudden, this thing pushes its hand through that hole with the with the poncho in its hand, and it's kind of kind of kneading the poncho in its hand. This is like a foot above his head, you know. And he said the hand was humongous and. So it's, it's kind of crumpling this poncho in its hand. Then it pulled its hand out, and it must have gotten down on all fours. And all of a sudden, it pushed its face into the side of the tent. Oh, and my goodness. So he said it was as big as the bottom of a five-gallon bucket. And he said he could see the nose, the eye, you know, the eyebrows. So it pushed its face in, and it goes – 
takes a big sniff. And Jason has a 45 pistol in his hand pointed right at its head. And he's desperately trying to decide what to do because he's thinking maybe it's going to kill him. And, I mean, it was a terrifying experience for someone who'd never had something like that happen, for anyone, really. Right. And uh, so he's he's struggling. What do I do? What do I do? And he said something in his head, like he said it was an angel. I mean, he said it was weird. Something said to him, move your legs. And he said it felt like my legs, legs were concrete, but he, he managed to shift his weight in the sleeping bag, and this thing literally went and pulled back from the tent and stood up. And he said by then it was just getting to be light. So um, he could see a big shadow rise up next to the tent, and then it made a call of some kind and started walking out, and he said he heard two or three more walk out um, behind it and left the camp. And he said, I'm so glad I did not shoot that Sasquatch in the head. Whether it would have killed it or not, I would have been dead because if it had killed it, he says the others in the campsite would have immediately jumped on me. I'm sure of that. So um, he he endured that situation, but um, he since named that Sasquatch. He's been back there many times, and he's encountered the same Sasquatch numerous times and he calls him grumpy because he's always he's always in a bad mood growling or complaining about something and he he behaves more aggressively than most of the sasquatch that that jason's come into contact with so that's probably the scariest um first-hand story i've i've had another one recently and then I'll stop after this story and see if you guys have any questions. But well, I'm, I gal... got to rehinge my jaw, so go ahead. You got <laughs> okay. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> a gal called or or texted us through our website and said, "I've had Sasquatch active at our cabin and even at our house. Please call me." So I called her up. She lives um, in Denver, I believe, and they have a house, a cabin in Tabernash, Colorado, which is near Winter Park uh, Ski Resort. So, and they've had it for forever, and they've never had anything happen there, like what I'm about to tell you happened. So last summer in July, she and her husband were up at the cabin. It's a very remote cabin. You have to go through a locked gate to get to the cabin, so it's highly unlikely that anybody was, you know, passing by or whatever and it's a it's a long road to the gate and beyond the gate and so they're they're way out there they have no electricity they use lanterns even in the cabin they have an outhouse i think quite rustic so they're asleep or about to go to sleep one night that they were there and all of a sudden something smacks the side of the cabin really hard and woke them both up and then the rest of the that night was this terrifying incidence of these things slapping the cabin scratching really hard on the outside of the cabin um and they had their motion lights outside no they had they had they had a generator i guess they had their motion lights outside coming on going off coming on and going out 
And whenever they would look out there, they wouldn't see anything. So that was the first night. The second night, the same thing happened again. They they hit the window, and this gal said, I don't know how they didn't break it. They hit it so hard. but And they were still scratching and banging on the sides of the building. And she got fed up at one point and went outside and yelled at them something like, you know, leave us alone. We're trying to sleep. But it would, it carried on. And so the third night, if I remember correctly, she was determined that they were going to get some sleep. And they knew what it was by then. They figured it had to be Sasquatch. So she has a, a pistol in the cabin, at least one. And at one point, the motion light came on outside, and she went out on the porch. Now, it takes some guts just to go out on the front porch when all this is going on outside. She went out on the porch and looked out in the yard where the light was shining, and there was a particular pine tree, and there was something standing behind it. The pine tree didn't even hardly hid anything because this Sasquatch was so huge. And it was standing behind this tree with its head up in the pine needles, and it was just staring at her. So she said, "She said, I, I was, I'm trying to be the alpha, you know, in this situation." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so she's stomping her feet and puts her hands on her hips and yells at him, "You need to get away and let us sleep." And she pulled out this pistol and she fired, not at the Sasquatch, in a different direction, and she said. The Sasquatch flinched when she did that. Uh, it definitely was not expecting a gunfire, gunshot. And then she ran in the house, and she said it was quiet the rest of the night. They didn't come to the cabin. They didn't bother them anymore. So that gunshot must have accomplished what she wanted. Later, she reached out to Matt Moneymaker, who did the Animal Planet Finding Bigfoot show, and... Uh, he said, oh, I think they they wanted food. That's why they were banging on your cabin. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But he hypothesized, and he may have, he may be right about this, that the big fires we had the last couple of years may have um, pushed the Sasquatch into areas that they were not in before. And maybe that was why they had suddenly showed up and started interacting with their cabin and them. And, you know, maybe they're hungry. Maybe they decided that humans are a good source to give us food. So, I mean, that's all speculation. But um, so this summer uh, I may go up there and do an investigation at her at her cabin. But, uh, yeah, so that was very recent. That was a couple of weeks ago that she told me, and the incident happened last July. Wow, that's Boy. incredible. <clears throat> so I could only think of, so you're telling, so, and you might want to suggest this to your buddy Jason. You can go to any RV center and buy a nice trailer or a motorhome that you can go camping <laughs> in other than a tent. And, and all I could think of, and this is just, you know, maybe, you know, neither here or there, but people our age. <clears throat> when you said that he pushed his face into that tent, all I could think of was Fred Sanford saying, telling Aunt Esther she was so ugly, 
They used her face to make gorilla cookies. <laughs> and then you said, then you said they called the Bigfoot grumpy. And I'm like, well, that's perfect. Yeah, maybe you should. That's perfect. Call her aunt, call the Bigfoot Aunt Esther. But I that yeah that is the I'm telling you that is the scariest thing I think I've that, ever heard. That was a that would have been a very terrifying experience. How, how do Jason? you? I mean, that, that's just incredible. He's, I. And he, and he he kept doing it after that. I mean that that didn't dissuade him from. Did he invest? Doing what we do? Did he invest in adult diapers to take? And uh, no, he invested in a bigger tent. In <laughs> a bigger gun. Um, we 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 tend to we tend to not stay in campers because you can't hear anything, can't hear as much in a camper as you can in a tent. That is and true. Our goal is to interact with them so that's you know we're we're we understand that there's risks there but it's almost like sasquatch have a code of conduct um that you know when you're in your tent they don't go they don't bother you in your tent and you kind of agree that you're not going to get out and bother them i my daughters often ask me when i have sasquatch nearby why i don't unzip the tent and quickly look out i said because that'll be the last we'll see of them that that's kind of violates this code of conduct if you will and many many groups now when they go out have a no no light policy so especially when you get to where you're going to camp that there be no camp no lights in the camp and because that encourages them to come in come closer than a big roaring fire and lots of lanterns and so yeah they're they're highly intelligent i mean extremely intelligent so i would i would put their intelligence as equal to ours if not surpassing ours in some areas and so we don't fool them you know by um putting game cameras out, for instance. Nobody, very, very, very rarely has anyone gotten any image on a game camera because I think they know what a camera is. I can't tell you how they know that, but they would, just won't come in well, to they know a campsite. Not, they know it's not natural. It's not something right. natural. They know yet. it's not natural, right. and I think they can see the infrared beam that those things put out. And whereas an audio recorder, you can put those all over the camp, and they'll walk around, and they'll vocalize, and, they don't seem to mind audio recorders, and they seem to know the difference. All I can say, because a camera, that's that's it. You know, they they won't come in uh, once they realize there's a camera there. So, so obviously, then <clears throat> you're kind of in the camp of that. These are creatures who really don't want to do us any harm unless they're pushed. No, I didn't to... say that. Oh, okay, um, okay. I I think. I mean, my, the jury's out. I'm, I'm considering writing a book on the two sides of Sasquatch nature. There's a, a benevolent side. I mean, most, the vast majority of encounters that you hear about are very brief. People see a Sasquatch and then it's gone. Um, I've heard of numerous people being healed by Sasquatch of very serious or terminal illnesses. Um, so there is this kind of 
empathetic, compassionate side, but then there's the other side and other stories of people being violently interact, their interactions being violent with Sasquatch. Now, people who have violent encounters with Sasquatch, to be honest, probably are, you never hear about it because they don't survive the incident. If that, if that kind of encounter happens, I don't think we would survive it. So, well, thus, uh, those, there's nobody left to tell about this. <laughs> there's nobody left to tell about them. Yeah. There, there is, there are the occasional stories of. Um, we have a book. We sell one. One of the books we sell is a compilation of stories by different people about Sasquatch. And in this one book, uh, there's a story of an elderly gentleman who was part of building or doing the logging for building one of the ski resorts, Aspen or Vail, I forget which one. So they were out in the woods for extended periods of time at the campsite uh, where they could continue their logging. And uh, they captured a, a young Sasquatch that had been raiding their food stores, took five men to control it, and they... The foreman of the camp was apparently out at the time, and they wanted to find out from him what they should do with it. They knew they they found something incredible, so they put it in a shed, an empty shed, and put um, big, huge logs against the door that it couldn't budge, apparently, but it was screaming bloody murder constantly. And so the guy that told the story was the first one on watch that night, and uh, he said about 10 o'clock, the big ape, that's what he called it, the big ape came around the corner of the hut, slapped the logs out of the way like they were nothing, and grabbed him and pulled his arm off at the elbow and threw him against the shed and knocked him cold. And then it must have taken its young one and left. And thankfully, the camp doctor was able to keep him from bleeding out. But he told this story to a group of people in Boulder at a bar that got talking about Sasquatch. He wasn't part of the group, but he overheard their conversation. And he, and the, and, you know, apparently he had a missing forearm and it was kind of crudely repaired. You could tell that it wasn't an amputation that was done in the hospital. Um, it wasn't that neatly, you know, finished off. And so, you know, he was either a great liar or, he has his arm ripped off by a Sasquatch. So, mm-hmm. but well, you could say there was provocation. There was provocation, yeah. I guess. Yeah, they they took maybe that particular Sasquatch's kid and yeah. had him. You know, yeah. I mean, what would you do if somebody? Well, and it was screaming and screaming. So the, the Sasquatch knew right where it was. And right, this guy, this guy was the unfortunate one who happened to be on watch at the moment. So, um, so they can be violent. They certainly have are powerful enough to kill us very easily if they chose to, right. which is why I'm, I'm kind of, well, I'm not kind of, I'm very happy that the vast majority of encounters human to Sasquatch, at least the ones we know about are brief and peaceful. So, uh, they usually disappear so quickly that the people hardly even realize what they were looking at. Kind of like the one I saw. Now, what is your now? Now, what is your thought on? 
you know, the the whole storyline about people missing in national parks. Do you think that that missing 411? Yeah, I mean, do you think that is something that can be attributed to Sasquatch or Bigfoot or is there something else going on? Um It's a good question. Uh, David Pilates, who wrote that series of books, is a very good friend of mine. And we've talked about this numerous times, sometimes when we've been out in the woods together. But the both of us, I think, see, David intentionally never draws any conclusions in his books. He just says the facts as as they were when the person was found or when they disappeared because he doesn't know. I mean, nobody knows for sure what happened, but you would think in many of these situations, some of the times the people are out by themselves hiking and they disappear, and you don't know what transpired at the moment that whatever happened to them happened to them. Mm -hmm. But there's other, many other situations where people are hiking with someone else or jogging with someone else or whatever, and one of them just simply disappears, just like they vanish into thin air. And you would think if a Sasquatch snatched someone, you would think you would hear a scream or, you know, help or something, but it's almost never, it's almost always total silence. And that's why the person who survives says, I don't know what happened to them. I turned around and they were gone. And you would think they would have heard the noise of a Sasquatch coming and grabbing someone, if that's what actually happened. So, um, but there's stories in Native American history about Sasquatch stealing women and children and food. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's anecdotal evidence that would say that they have taken people in the past or maybe still do. I don't know. As you know, like we were talking, if someone goes missing, um, it's interesting when when people who've gone missing are found. Sometimes their bodies are found, and they're found far away, a mile, two miles away from where they disappeared, or farther. And sometimes all that the story will say, all that the, the law enforcement will give up is that the person was found in territory so rugged that the helicopter had to get their body out. And they don't say how they died. They'll say cause of death was consistent with where they were found or something like that. I mean, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's like double I mean, talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double talk. And so, you know, I want to know did this person die from blunt force trauma? Did they, you know, were they torn apart? I mean, what, what, what happened to them? How, how did they get where they were found? Because they weren't, they didn't get there on their own steam. That wasn't where they were going, but that's where their body was found. So it's whether Sasquatch is responsible. I can, I can say this with confidence. I know of no Sasquatch researcher that I know personally or even know about that's ever disappeared or, had a violent encounter with Sasquatch and there's a lot of us out there doing this. And so, you know, you would think if this was a, something that happened all the time, uh, it would have happened to one of us. And if it did happen to one of us, I'd probably stop doing what I'm doing. But, um, 
again, they seem to respect this unspoken code, and they don't – I mean, I won't say that they don't ever try to intimidate us by throwing stuff or making loud noises or even knocking trees down near people. Um, but, again, that's it's very different to have a tree fall 30 feet or 30 yards from where you are to having a tree fall on you. And I've never heard of anyone who had that experience and survived it. So, yeah, I mean, you talking that the story about the guy having his arm ripped off, that's basically the first time I've ever heard of anybody being hurt by one, you know, by it grabbing the person, you know. And I've heard of other stories, but again, I. I've never been able to talk to any of those people personally. And if I do write this book, I can only write about firsthand, you know, I, I can't, I have to be able to track people down and get a story from them because I'm not, I'm not ever going to be satisfied to write about their second or third hand story because you have that much more probability of that being untrue or unreliable. Whereas if I can talk to the person themselves, at least I can say this is what I was told by the person this happened to. So um, it would take a lot of research. I probably have to do a lot of traveling to find people. Maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe there's more violent encounters than we realize. It's just people don't talk about it. Well, here's what I think about that. I think we're dealing with a creature that is intelligent for one but I think that they have actually better senses than we do. They're more adept. We go out into the woods and we go squatching, but they live out there. They, I they think they have there. a better sense of smell. I don't think they need to have an external light source to like a flashlight or a camp camp light in order to be able to see. And they're much more stronger than we are. They got ways of communicating yeah. that we don't have out there. I mean, I think if, if they really wanted to go after humans, uh, there would be a lot more cases that we would know about. We'd be easy pickings. Yeah, easy pickings. Yeah, yeah we'd be no easy doubt. Well, we would be, but already there's thousands of people. I mean, probably tens of thousands of people who've disappeared, and it was never known what happened to them, or their bodies were found, but it was never known what killed them. So I think there's far more incidences than we like to admit which is why David Pilates always gets gets um, uh, pushback from the parks board. They won't give him information about people who go missing in these national parks. And that should be a freedom of, of information deal. Yeah, it should but they, be. They'll make excuses and say, well, we don't keep records of people who go missing in the park. Of course they do. The yep. government agency. Yep. So I think they know I'm I don't I know that the National Parks knows about Sasquatch National Forest Bureau knows about Sasquatch. I think sooner or later, probably sooner than later, we're going to have another uh, reveal like the government came out recently about UFOs that they've obviously known about them forever and have been studying them forever. Right. And I'm, I'm not sure why they chose to come up with that information right now, but I suspect the same thing is going to happen by some government agency, whether it's the Parks Board or 
National Forest Service or somebody's going to come out and say, yeah, whether whether they were supposed to or not, somebody's going to spill the beans and say, yeah, of course we've known about Sasquatch forever. And I don't know if they'll say why they haven't come public with it till now, but there's all kinds of stories rolling around out there about people being in the woods and coming upon a team of armed military personnel who tell them to leave the area and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Or and, during that again, Mount St. Helen explosion, uh, right. what supposedly happened right. with the military up there. Yeah. Yep. With Sasquatch. Yeah. Yep. So being able to track these stories down is next to impossible because people won't talk about it, but it's a big secret. You would think sooner or later, somebody maybe who's retired from one of these agencies would would admit, yeah, this happened. But I've heard of many, many, many rangers who've talked about um, their own experiences with Sasquatch. So I know they have those experiences. It's just publicly as a government agency, they don't exist. Yeah, they don't talk about it. They will not release that information. There is a there is a national forest in Oregon, very large national forest that is tracking Sasquatch, and I've seen a photograph of their questionnaire for their Bigfoot sightings among uh, particularly their wildland fire rangers, um, and it gives all kinds of questions about where they were and what the circumstances were and was anyone else with them. And it says on the top of the form, don't don't bother submitting joke reports. They will not be entered in the database. So they obviously have a database. They are keeping track of Sasquatch. But until someone gave me this photograph, I'd never seen anything that gave proof that there's anything official going on. But apparently there is, at least in one national forest. So that national forest is – so this rep- – this is a report for their employees to turn in. Their employees, okay. their 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 okay. Forest Service personnel. It's in Oregon, um, and so the the uh, and the picture was taken by the daughter of another researcher friend of mine who was working there at the time, and she saw this form, I guess, and has the watermark of <laughs> that that uh, forest service and so if one is doing it there has to be more there has to be more tracking sasquatch oh absolutely wow yeah i mean it's there's too many people that have too many it's it's like the ufo thing you get to a point where it's almost a joke to deny or to not come out right and say right. you you lose more credibility by denying it than you ever would by coming out and admitting that yeah we know about it but well and uh, i think they came out because they had so many navy pilots in particular yeah. that had stories that you know after uh, after a while it's like we can't keep hiding all this information well yeah they, like in the navy in the navy pilots when you have your own when the own government the the flight that's taking place is the one that records the ufo yes. You, you can't deny it. It's not like, you know, me or Jason standing out there getting something on our cell phone. This is, right. you know, this right. is, and then it took 15, 13 or 14 years mm-hmm. for them to even come out with that. So, right. 
Um, and we probably know just a fraction of what oh, the info they can, they actually have. So Yeah, right. Certainly, certainly. I mean, so what ultimately, as a Bigfoot researcher, I mean, what ultimately do you want to have happen or what do you want to accomplish? Well, I would, I would really, I want to have a, a close encounter or several close encounters. I think I do. I mean, until this happens where I have a real close encounter visually, I'm not talking because I've had many close encounters, but where they choose to show themselves at close range, um, I would I would like to to see them to try to communicate with them. Um, there's a number of other researchers in the country who are trying some crazy things like sleeping out in the woods on op- in open cots and and in anticipation of having interaction with Sasquatch. Um, and I think that, I mean, there's a lot of opinions between all of us. Unfortunately, this Bigfoot community is very, a very divided community. And between probably those who would say Bigfoot is purely flesh and blood relative of, Gigantopithecus or something, or the woo side, which would say no, they're they're more than flesh and blood. They're interdimensional. They they do they disappear. They do all these other things. So, if all of us, regardless of our perspectives, could pool our combined information, we'd probably be way further along in our research. But everybody seems to be very territorial about what they're doing and what they've discovered and um, where they're having experiences. And, and it's, it's a, it's a funny community. Yeah. I agree with that research community. You know what that, you know what that you saying that reminds me of is listening to one of these uh, uh, serial killer podcasts where in the sixties and seventies, these guys were committing all these crimes and all these different agencies had all this information, but they wouldn't share it with right. each other. And if they just had, you know, they would have caught them. Yeah. They, way caught, them. Yeah, they yeah. caught them a lot sooner. You know, it's like this, this arrogance yeah. of I'm not giving you my information and stuff because I, because I, mean, I want to be the one yeah. that catches them or, you know, but, but here's the thing is number one, you're not catching them. Okay. What you guys are doing you're not going out with the intention of catching one and no, bringing a no. specimen back. It doesn't even sound like you guys are trying to catch one on film or anything. You just kind of want to have the experience. Um, right. Of, of, and even that is not going to prove to the majority of people. That's just your story, your own experience, which you know. And Because, you know, if you took a picture or took a video... People are still going to try to debunk it anyway. But we have enough researchers out there with given empirical evidence of them having experiences and everything. I mean, it will eventually, the truth will come out. I mean, it's going to make sense where it's going to be more popular to believe that than would it be to believe otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And in many ways, there's so much evidence out there for Sasquatch being real. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... 50 to 70,000 sightings that have been documented over the past probably 50 to 60 years 
that's a whole lot of people to believe are mistaken or saw some, saw a moose or a bear and thought it was a Sasquatch. Um, we're not that stupid. People exactly. are not are not stupid, and that's what that's what we get accused of is well, you're just seeing bears standing up or whatever. No, that's, that's not what we saw, and it's it insults people's intelligence to be told that. Yeah. So well, you know, you that's didn't why see a lot of people don't want to say anything. You you know, you didn't see a bear standing on that little outcropping. No. Okay. No. So, like you said, all it was is either a per. And so what's the odds then that you look away and a person decides they're going to disappear at the minute you look well, away? Well, and if it had been a person, it was maybe two or three seconds at most. They would have had to turn and they would have still been walking back into the trees, which were maybe yeah. 30 yards behind them. Yeah. I would have seen them walking back. But I I looked, I looked back and it was literally gone. It just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, we have numerous people in our group, research group, that have actually watched them disappear. They had their eyes on them when they disappeared, and it just kind of dematerialized into nothing. That's, and that's just extraordinary. It is, and these are these are totally credible, believable people. They have no reason to lie. Um, in fact, they, if the story is not true, they're doing themselves a lot more disservice by telling it because people are going to think okay not only do you believe in bigfoot but you think that they disappear (laughs) you really are out there i mean there's something wrong with your head yeah absolutely well well jim do you want to uh do you want to tell everybody about your the podcast you guys do the you don't know squatch yeah so you don't know squatch is a a uh brainchild of myself and my co-host, whose name is Joshua Cantu, and Joshua is a skeptic, so we go back and forth a lot. And we interview a lot of um, eyewitnesses. We also like to talk about whatever's in the news about Bigfoot, or we critique, we review Bigfoot movies, and we've hardly ever found anything worth watching. And uh, We're trying to change so, it for you, just so you know. We're trying to change Yeah, that. well, we're working on a... A movie as well so nice um i i hope that uh that people will tune in you can find us on youtube but also on uh google play apple play you know wherever you find podcasts just look up you don't know squatch and we'll be there all right now let's so now now let's talk about the store and how people okay. can find the store and i'm assuming then that you, you know uh, you had the wherewithal to get rid of the grocery part. You certainly have the wherewithal <laughs> that people can like order stuff online. Yes. And, and buy, yes. And, okay. Cause this is a cool store. So I wanted you to tell everybody how they can go and check you out. And, and so and, we have uh, an online store on our website, which is sasquatchoutpost.com. And if you go to that website there, there's a button for shop now. And we have over, 1100 items in our store online store that you can buy and so t-shirts mugs magnets stickers everything you can imagine i tell people who come into our physical store that in the store part of the outpost we like to have fun 
we it's all tongue in cheek. You know, we I design a lot of our merchandise because I have a background in graphic design, and so you know, I have a sign that says uh, "Danger Bigfoot Breeding Area, Avoid Eye Contact," and things like that. And Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either, et cetera. But once they cross from the store into the museum, the museum is all we're all business. We're trying to educate people. So much of what we have in our physical store is available in our online store. But if they make it to our location in Bailey, Colorado, um, I hope they would have time to go through the Sasquatch encounter. We're in the process of, of having built a new exhibit that's going to be a, an adult male Sasquatch and then juvenile Sasquatch and the male Sasquatch will be animated and uh, they're being built for us as probably not quite yet, but we're going to pick them up in June and bring them back to the outpost and build this new exhibit, which should be a game changer for what, what we're trying to accomplish because it's going to be very realistic. So uh, we're excited about that. That sounds well, wonderful. <laughs> you know, other than going, you know, I don't really want to go camping out there. It sounds like it'd be worth the trip. Oh, I want to go. Yeah, of course you do. You're crazy. I mean, I mean, you're the you're one Aunt Esther sticking her face in the side of the tent to make gorilla cookie. I mean, come on. Well, I'll I'll say this. Um, where are you guys located currently? In Ohio. In Ohio. In Ohio. Central Ohio. Are you are? Yeah. Well, yes. we need to talk some more because Ohio is where I'm going pick up the sasquatch so, um, you, so you did because you and i had the discussion about the animatronic and i i was trying to figure out where that might have been built so you did find um we did find a company in columbus okay all right um, okay. that's about and well, yeah, it's about 45 yeah, about out 45 50 minutes okay away from us. and actually what i'm what i'm trying to 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 do this summer there's a there's a Bigfoot Adventure Weekend at Salt Forge State Park yep. in in June, first weekend in June. And I'm trying to work with this company to see if they can get the Sasquatch done by then. And I'll drive out there with a flatbed trailer and we'll pick them up and we'll go to that camp um, and have, have this unveiling as being part of the event of that weekend for the people at the Bigfoot camp. And then we'll drive it back to Bailey. So wow. it'll right. be uh, – we're planning on building a big crate to put these two Sasquatch in and having painting on the outside signs like warning Sasquatch in transit, you know, stay back or whatever and yeah. um, make it make it an event. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. That'd be fa- especially if you can get the crate to move a little bit. <laughs> Put somebody yeah. in there I'll with it to move a re- it a little bit. I'll, I'll have a recording that uh, is motion. You know, when somebody <laughs> approaches the crate, it makes noise like it's trying to break out or something. That, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be good. <laughs> I used to have a sound effect like that in the museum, but I had to turn it off because it scared kids too badly. So, Oh, it's um, good for them. Both character. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, hey. This we, we so appreciate you coming on with us, and you bet. Told, I mean, you told some great stories. If our listeners 
didn't love this episode. I don't know. Uh, you don't know Squatch. That's all I can say. That's right. <laughs> so, so well, you guys have been great. I appreciate the it, time. Yes, it has been fantastic. So everybody, go check out um, the You Don't Know Squatch podcast, and then get online and buy some buy some Bigfoot stuff. Yes. I mean, come on, buy some Bigfoot. There's stuff. tons of it out there. Yes. Tons. Yeah, and if you can't, you know, if you can't find what. What you want at Jim's, maybe you can come to the From the Shadows store. We got some coffee mugs. There you go. Yeah, we got a little bit there, but we can't compare what what Jim's got. But uh, we we got a few things. Okay. So thanks, Jim. It has been awesome. You're welcome. uh, Hopefully, hopefully we'll get to uh, come see the unveiling. And we'll make sure that all our listeners... Uh, here in North Central Ohio, get get over there and, and check it out too. Oh yeah, we'll start promoting it ahead of time, definitely. <laughs> so, awesome. So, well, thanks a lot, and uh, stay warm there in Colorado. Appreciate it. Try to at least talk to you guys next time. Yeah. All right. Thank All you. Right. You take care. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time. Never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>